Hey beautiful teachers, I'm Nicola Canton from Vibrant Music Teaching. Welcome to the show that's about you. This podcast gives you a sneak peek into the lives and businesses of private music studio teachers so that you can share in their successes, learn from their mistakes and feel part of a global community that's dedicated to sharing music with others. Today we're talking to April Wenzel. When preparing for this interview, April said she thought she would be a good fit for our show Ethos because she's perfectly imperfect. I'm sure many of you will resonate with that statement and others will aspire to feel that relaxed and comfortable in our own little imperfections. Hello, April. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Nicola. Thank you for inviting me. Um, to get to know you a little bit better, and to have some fun, we like to play a little game. So I want you to tell me two things that are not true about yourself, two lies, and one thing that is true, and I'll try to guess which one is which. Okay. Um, I'm 35 years old. I have two daughters. And I am, I was born and raised in the Philippines. Okay. Is she lying about her age? her offspring or her origins or which one is true right um i'm gonna guess that you have two daughters i don't know why that that's uh half truth okay <laughs> one is human and one is a fur one. <laughs> <Furry> one. <laughs> okay which is the full truth then the full truth is I was born and raised in the Philippines. Now I am living in the United States and uh, I'm actually 45 years old. Okay. So <laughs> we had an even split because there was a half truth in there. I really yeah. like that strategy. <laughs> That's nice. So you grew up in the Philippines. When did you move to the States? Uh, I moved here um, in 2008. Great. Okay. Because you have such an American accent from to my ear anyway. So that's <laughs> to your ear. Sometimes yeah. there would be uh, some words that my daughter would say, Mommy, we don't pronounce it that we way. We don't pronounce <laughs> it like that. Yeah. Well, I know several people who are still in the Philippines, so it's not maybe as strong as I'm used to. So that's why I, I, I didn't go for that. Also, way. because of the music background, we seem to adapt well to mm. different languages and learning different and trying to sing in different um, uh, languages in college, of course, German, Italian. So we try to pronounce uh, different words. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. Well. And even just being so tuned into tuning yes. as we are, yes. I think yes. we notice things more. I think the music helps. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we know a little bit about you and your background. We'd like to get to know a bit about you as a teacher. So I want you to imagine that you've been given some free, a free poster space mm -hmm. in the middle of your town. And it's going to have your studio info on it already and how mm -hmm. to get in touch with you. And they've already decided the picture. So it's a bit of a weird free offer, but they've allowed you to put three words on it. That's all you're allowed to add. So what three adjectives would you add to this poster to describe you as a teacher? Oh. Three. Do they have to be three adjectives? Because I thought of like three words. Three words is fine. Doesn't have to okay. be. Okay. So, so it. I thought of this, and it's like 
sounded weird, <laughs> but let's go for it. It's like customized piano lessons. Customized. Okay, so why do you use the word customized? Well, lately when I would be asking uh, reviews from my parents, they would say that their reviews kind of like resonate with each other, that I try to make the lessons for their child fit for them. Because yeah, one would be, for example, an AD, a, a child with ADHD, I try to like really get to know how he's learning. And we do, of course, several activities for that kid. <laughs> Flip, uh, go from one activity to another. Or for a child who is a little bit slow, then I go with her own pace. And of course, for those who are so into it, I keep giving them pieces and pieces and all they what and what they want to. And children's like, okay, you have to get to this level and then you can choose something like that. You know, you can choose whatever you, what kind of music you want to play. So it's more for what they want to learn. Yes, absolutely. Well, that's a great way to be. And obviously your students and your parents really appreciate that. What were your own lessons like growing up? Were they customized to you? Mm -hmm. Kinda, <laughs> but um, in the beginning, uh, I was uh, I started not really piano. I uh, I was around five or six years old, and that was the time when the electronic organs were the in thing. And I started learning with that, and and my mom said, "Well, oh, you seem to be pretty good at it." I mean, she, she it transferred me to a really good teacher who also taught the same thing, and she. After a few years with her, she said, okay, you're fast in learning that. I'm going to start really classical training with you, with piano. So I did both, the electronic organ and the piano, and kept on with it. And I guess it has become my life. <laughs> mm -hmm. What age was that that you started on the piano? Um, eight, around seven, eight, eight. And did you stick with the same teacher all the way through? Yes. And she's kind of also like my mentor in teaching. She taught mm. me like, this is how you start teaching. And this is how you organize yourself if you want to have your own studio. Okay. So it sounds like you were a pretty good student. Did you practice consistently all the time? Not really until I was <laughs> 14, until I was 14. That's when she, she, she planned for me to have a first solo recital. I really didn't practice, so she got, well, that meant I got into trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I spent my whole summer practicing and making up so that I could make my performance. <laughs> okay, so that, that's what I motivated was, you? Yeah. And mm -hmm. after that, it was like, um, I was practicing a little bit more, and then uh, it's more regular. Beautiful. So it sounds like you got along really well with that teacher and obviously yeah. stuck with her and then stuck with her as a mentor. So you had a great relationship. Yeah. Is there anything she didn't include in your lessons that you kind of wished you had met sooner? Yeah, because lately when I was talking to her, <laughs> she was like, oh, I did this new thing with my, with her more current students. It's like, hmm, why did I have that? Oh. She's doing like improvisation, competition. And she's also, a, she's very open to new stuff. So it's like, she's in her 
late in her 70s and she's going into online also and it's like oh my god she's very open so she is always on the go oh well that sounds like she's got the right attitude anyway and yeah you wish she'd met improv earlier herself so that she could introduce it to you but obviously anything that comes her way she's absorbing it and passing it on when she can yes always updating herself (laughs) absolutely that's fantastic so when and how did you get into teaching yourself? Was it her suggestion? Did you seek it out? Oh, well, everybody, when I was, I was kind of stuck into it <laughs> because when I was little, they would call me like prodigy or whatever. I don't really see myself as that. I just see myself as hardworking. Um, so, and and I cut, I went to college to it. And of course I did, had a different professor than in college, but she had the most more impact on me. Um, teaching, uh, I started actually in the middle of my college years. And after, after my, oh, a little bit here and there in uh, teaching in those piano stores in the mall, <laughs> and then a little bit there are also like uh, our uh, college also had an extension program where students can practice teaching and also teach students uh, just like if you have you were a part of a studio. So it's like it's it's a part of our university college and then it's extension and then it's for outside people who are not students of the uh, college and that's where I kind of started teaching and then when I graduated, I went back to teach in my teacher studio and that's where I learned more about teaching and I just had the knack of connecting with the kids. So especially with the little ones because I am tiny also (laughs) and they're not intimidated by me. So it's, I just love the light in their eyes when they think, oh, I can do this. Oh, my gosh. So it was love at first lessons for you. You just yes. right away. Yeah. You knew that right was away. something you loved. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I have a cousin, too, who is a, a, a pianist, but she um, she's more of a performer than I am. Mm. I'm more of the teacher. <laughs> yes, me, too. That's my side of things. Can you tell me about a student that changed something about how you teach or something about how you do business? Okay. I think it was teaching care in the United States. It's really uh, different. Yeah. So um, teaching in the Philippines was more like that. They just, okay, teacher, I'll just follow you, everything like that. You know, here you have to really try to engage them. So I look for ways. And of course, uh, finding you and other teachers in the internet, like, oh, games. It's like, that's what changed (laughs) everything. (laughs) And more, and um, incorporating, of course, improv and stuff. And it kind of just evolved. Yeah, so not one specific student in the U.S., but just the culture change to all of your U.S. students was so different. Yes. Was there anything else? Anything else that you find different between the two countries besides the sort of attitude towards teachers? Because I, I know that can be um, very challenging. It's uh, the attitude of the, how children are relating with their teachers and uh, le- learning. 
I guess it's more of um, they're looking something to inspire them, the children. It's because they're so used to school that it's not just like in the books always hmm. that you have to like have that little magic to make them do it. <laughs> You're like, you need more spark. But, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a thing here in the, in the more Western that you have to like, hmm, they're not just going to follow an instruction. So you really have to put a little bit of spark for them to do something. <laughs> Oh, that's so interesting. That was very straight. <laughs> mm. It was very straightforward. Like scales, pieces. <laughs> right, yeah. Sounds like it was a big adjustment for you and a big transformation. I did it um uh in the beginning I wanted to do the switch right away, but I said maybe steps. <laughs> yeah. So now it's kinda like part of it. Yeah. Always one thing at a time. Was there, is there anything looking back that you feel stands out as a big mistake you made in either country in your teaching? Something more general or some specific incident that you wish you could turn back to and just do something differently? Um, I guess like right now, like kind of, I see it all the time. It's because I've, I've put more into the experience of the lesson. It's that sometimes I'm not very, yeah. This one, the curve. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, I wish I could do more, especially for the stubborn ones, to like, hey, how about your flat fingers? <laughs> Can we do it? I do remind them all the time, but it's like a, it's like a, um, it's like a habit now. <laughs> mm. I wish I could change more of that or improve. I, the word is more, have them improve it. Yes, and maybe start to focus on the technique earlier is what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. Rather yes. than trying yeah, to Yeah, especially with, with the boys. It's like it's like I wish I did more to that in the beginning. Mm. Well, you can only do differently next time, right? Yes. <laughs> so if you could turn back time to your first year as a teacher when you first took on those students, um mm-hmm. and obviously it went pretty well. You were delighted with it right away, but is there any advice you'd tell your younger self oh relax a little bit <laughs> I mean... <laughs> so i would yeah of course um the train was very strict so <laughs> i tended to be pretty strict too and you know just relax a little bit i guess <laughs> mm. yeah relax with yourself or just with the in your how you were teaching like um, you, you're hard on yourself in, as well i, I think uh, i for myself and for like the expectations, mm. but not so much on the teaching because I was really good at it before. <laughs> right. <laughs> Is there anything you think people outside our industry misunderstand about what it is that we do? And perhaps with your unique perspective, you could give us what you see in the Philippines and what you see in the US about what people think we do for our profession. Um, I think in the Philippines, well, it's mostly probably the same. I don't know if people still think like it, uh, think like that, especially this day and age that, um, most people would think that we just show up and teach. Right. But we do a whole lot more behind it. 
it's yeah. like a lot of research, a lot of like, if something does not work during the lesson, we go like, do our <laughs> thinking and making it work for the next lesson. You know, it's not, it's not just a one lesson. Okay. We're going to just do it over and over again. No, we are trying to make our lessons better each time the child comes in the door or online. We try to um, not just make the lessons better and also we try to make sure that they are progressing. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it for sure. Some There are teachers out there who do just show up, but I think most mm -hmm. of us, especially most of the people listening to this, um, put a lot into it outside of lessons. Yes. Yeah. So finally then, April, I want you to imagine a teacher out there somewhere, mm -hmm. kind of in their own little bubble. They haven't interacted at home with other teachers and they're feeling not sure they're doing it right, questioning themselves, a little bit of imposter syndrome, maybe. Is there anything you could say to them, any advice you would give them? So actually, yeah, that the word imposter syndrome, I say, is a something familiar. It's like in the beginning of my teaching years here, not so much in the Philippines. Um, it's because probably I thought about it because I decided not to pr pursue more education in piano, but I just wanted to learn, keep on learning for experience. So I would say if you are a new teacher, and if, especially if you don't have a degree in music, but you are a really good um, you're a really good musician and very uh, creative as well. You can do it. Just look for it. It's, it's the modern world. Look for your people in the internet. They're there. Look <laughs> for your have, people. Yep. Yeah. And if you, uh, if you find them, just like what I did in uh, vibrant music teaching, um, it's like you will find your answers. You will find. Uh, comfort and especially in the clubhouse <laughs> we really help each other yes absolutely um well i think that's great advice find your people and stick to them <laughs> once you <laughs> find them thank you yeah. so much for doing this with us april it's been great to chat with you thank you too nicola thanks for listening do you love this show then please share your favorite episode with a teacher friend who you think might enjoy it and benefit from it. If you resonated with today's story, then the Vibrant Music Teaching membership is probably a good fit for you too. Find out more at vibrantmusicteaching.com.